Welcome, Pathfolk, to After Party number 23. I am Rachel Sandage. I'll be your host for this wonderful episode. Yay! Yay, Rachel! Aw, thanks, guys. <laughs> like, very unenthusiastic kind of day uh, from for those people that jumped I'll, in on After Party 23 for your first episode yes. of the Path Podcast. Welcome. Why are you listening to the After Party first? Because people are weird sometimes. They do that. Yeah. Anyway, After Party episode 23. So we got quite a few emails for you guys today. Wait. I did that too early. Yes. yes <laughs> Summertime you did. first. You didn't give me an outline like you usually do. Girl, I blame been you. You've doing this 23 no. times. No, I haven't. I've done it like three times. You've been here 23 times. Whatever. I was going to say, you've, you've done 22 <laughs> other it's, after it's, parties. Yeah. Anyway, we will be doing a quick recap of episodes 67, 68, 69. Mm-hmm. I'll hand that over to Rick momentarily while he does that. The drama. Yeah, that's me. So, episode 67 was the fight against Secure. Yep. Because uh, we left uh, off on the cliffhanger what previously. What we call it? The one with the kaiju fight? Yeah, the one with the kaiju <laughs> uh, fight. Such a good title. <laughs> a little mini city. I know, because we crushed the little mini city. Yeah. Can you say the name for, of that again for me, Rachel? Skadna. 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 Oh, and his, name was, Secure, his name was Secure. His name was Secure, but he was a Skadna. He was a Skadna. Yeah. Yep. I really, I actually, I should have looked into that before we did an after party, but I really meant to look into it and see if that was actually like a Norse mythology kind of thing or... Probably. Yeah. It has that kind of, that Norse feel to it. Yeah. But yeah, that was, uh, the fight took up a majority of that episode. It's kind of an interesting fight. It once again highlighted this group's greatest weakness after swarms. Flying uh, things. Which is pretty much anything that flies. Yep. Yeah. Flying things. We need to get ranged weapons badly. We need to just learn to fly. Well, one of us knows how to fly. That's true on US flies. <laughs> I don't have that spell memorized right now. Just right now, but sometimes. you can. Sometimes on yours flies. Yeah. He flew away from the hippo. Yes. On yours, sometimes <laughs> flying. On her, it always knows how to fly. It's true. If only he was big enough to lift you up in his little oh, talons. Oh, man. In large bird? Be like, oh, get him like like fox, and then he can just lift you up and carry you about. I don't think that would work. It'd be amazing. kind of cool, though. It would be really cool. The fight was a majority of that episode. It's kind of an interesting fight, because one, you're dealing with flying things. Two, so many negative levels. Oh my god. Well, and he was a primary, focused a lot on his spell casting. He had a lot of high level spells, actually, beyond what any of you are capable of casting. I was going to say, because, like, yeah, the Slay Living that and That harm, harm was so scary. <laughs> uh, yeah. Because we didn't know it was harm. Yeah. <laughs> well, he already scared us with the Slay Living. Oh, that was scary, too. Yeah. <laughs> I got some feedback on the harm spell. Or at the very least, the audio work with dropping the sound out and everything else to make people think that uh, Sudi had died. Oh. It was scary. So uh, although, to be fair, like one more hit from that thing between yeah, yeah, the yeah. damage that it would do and then the negative level taking away hit points would have killed Sudi. Yes, definitely. Sudi's always almost dying. We really got to work on that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, if we get a chance to go buy stuff, cranking that AC up. We probably do. It's like all my golds go to my AC. So yeah, you guys had a big dramatic fight with him and, uh, and then he left. Oh, yeah, because yeah. he ran. Coward. And the party will never see him again. Yeah, we've not seen Liar. him yet. <laughs> unless we're going to see him when we pick up next time. Probably. Yeah. I mean, Like, maybe. hey, get out of here, man. He should <laughs> be dead if he's still in the city and anywhere nearby. Oh, yeah. He takes damage from positive energy. Take oh. that. Oh, good point. Uh-huh. Remains to be seen. I didn't even think about that. Huh. But yeah, after the end of that fight, you found the uh, the small chamber, which was the mummification room. Preparation chamber. Yeah, I think really the only thing that you determined from that was that instead of the standard mummification process, that they did a, a longer form of mummification, which oh, is part yeah. of the reason that Shepis, the caw pulses, weren't raising them. They kind of just layered layer upon layer upon layer of sanctifying process whenever they were mummifying them. I was going to say, they were like extra paranoid. Yeah. For good, 
I'm I mean, glad. Yeah, yeah. It ended up ended up paying off and divi- paying God. dividends. Just uh, it's always interesting to see like in a world where you know anybody can be raised as an undead, like how much work goes into preventing it. Yeah, because it's like a booming. I imagine it's just a booming industry to cast sanctify spells. Yeah, I think it was in a different game that we we're playing. Someone asked why people in Galarian don't cremate all of their dead just because of having to deal with you know necromancers yeah, and all the exactly. rest of that all the time. And other than the fact that uh, actually burning someone or burning someone's remains was the, the highest form of punishment yep. in, uh, in ancient Egypt. And so you can assume that there's a correlation in Osirian because destroying the person's earthly remains destroys them. It bars them from getting into their proper afterlife. That notwithstanding, also, I think that there'd probably be a full collection of various horrible undead ghostly things. Everywhere. Yeah, I was going to say, it doesn't stop the undead because it just makes a lot more incorporeal yeah. undead. <laughs> it makes, yeah. Oh. Gosh, yeah. that's a good point. Fewer yeah. corporeal, but more incorporeal. Yeah. So. Trade off. walks around with ghost touch weapons. Yes. Welcome to your first day of training, recruit. Here's a plus one ghost touch weapon. Yeah. yeah. Yep. All first level characters start with an 8,000 gold magic <laughs> item. Yep. In order to survive an Ustalav, you're going to need it. <laughs> yeah. And then after that, at the end of that, you guys ran into the statue of Anubis. And then we, oh, we left off. That. And that was the beginning of the next episode was the, the fight against the, the second Graven Guardian yeah. that the party has faced. Easier uh, than the first one. Yeah, it, it definitely went a lot easier. I mean, having a, a two more levels than the last time we fought one. More than that, I think. Two, three levels. Yeah, it made it yeah. a lot easier. I think you guys were probably fourth level when you fought him one the first time. So you're much higher level this time. And I think it kind of showed with that fight because that fight was a little it was a little easy yeah it's one of those fights though that like it can easily go like kind of could be swingy also yeah because it really just depends on like initiative order and rolling and yeah, <laughs> whether you can roll or not i got to use my vengeance strike though that is the best hunter trick ever yeah let, let you oh you hit my friend i hit you back hi like a free attack it's nice yeah it's kind of it's kind of like uh ah. it's similar to opportunists yeah. that rogues can get at higher yeah. levels yeah oh man Heather and I devastated another game with Opportunist. It was yeah. quite fun. Yeah. We're playing a rogue and they get to 10th level, take Opportunist. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, I was like, for all my builds for rogues now, it's pretty much mandatory to get Opportunist. Yeah. So useful. Then about halfway through that fight, you are, you know, you guys finished that fight pretty early on in that episode and then continued on making your way into the, the sanctuary of the goddess's hand. Yeah. Uh, and there you confronted uh, Nepta Kufri slash the Sky Pharaoh. Yeah, that guy. That was... Yeah rough that was a rough encounter not not even counting like our inability to really do a whole lot of stuff against flying things that was rough because of the mummies two more mummies i'm telling you there's a theme here i think at least on was able to get the scroll off yeah oh yeah because if you hadn't gotten that scroll off it would have been like well let's all hide until he runs out of spells i don't think that would have worked very well considering he'd (laughs) started summoning another call pulse oh he did and citra just was like (laughs) bye-bye Yep. Yeah, that was uh, that was towards the end of that episode. The uh, the fear effect kicked Citra effectively out of the fight for yeah. the last half of the fight, or for she the has uh, issues with that. First, it was mummy cat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The uh, uh the, the little thing that, inside a mummy. Uboski. In the yeah, the Uboski, yeah. the thing that was in there. Okay, I wanted to say Uboski swarm, and then I was like, no, 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 not a swarm. Wasn't a swarm. It's just one. Just yeah. one. But yeah, so you guys went through that fight. It was an intriguing fight. That's a. It's an interesting thing where you have end of book bosses, and I noticed that earlier on in Pathfinder, there was a lot of occasions of you reach the the end of book bosses in things like Rise of the Rune Lords or some Accursed Crimson Throne before they did the revamp to it, and it would be one big bad guy and then the party. And I think as Paizo progressed, it became steadily more and more apparent that you just can't do that. 
the action economy is stacked so high against someone so that even if it's a even if you're fighting a wizard that's four levels higher than the party the party is still getting four turns to that wizard's every one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's also, it's the idea of like, the, the fight is going to be over really quickly as part of it, but also it's hard to scale an individual, especially if it's like a caster or something, if you're playing with like six people. Yeah. And you need to scale the uh, encounter difficulty. Scaling by being like, okay, I'll add an extra mummy is a lot easier than, okay, let me give this guy uh, like, you know, a level or two and get him some new spells and like, that's a lot more work than just throw another mummy at it. So I think that's also kind of part of it. Because I know a lot of people uh, who play in huge groups of, you know, six people. And then if you throw in, like, animal companions and everything, it can get uh, <laughs> very, very large. And so scaling that can be difficult. And so, you know, you guys had to fight two mummies and him simultaneously. I think you kind of even the field with the summoning. The I'm, I'm really, it? really tired of paralysis. <laughs> I gotta say, yeah, the mummy paralysis thing is I, not I, fun. I, not just mummies. I'm over paralysis. It's just not gonna go away. I know, but it needs to be like a thing that's not happening anymore. Buff the saves you know? every fight. Yeah, the one thing I do like about this this end of book fight was it felt like a boss fight. Oh like, yeah, it definitely like was one of those things that we walk into the chamber and like it's it. I kind of go back to Ocarina of Time, but like the door closes behind you, yeah. you know, and locks, yeah. and you're just like, oh crap, you, there's a giant spider. Well, and it's one thing, it's like, and you see a guy, and it's like, okay, okay, all right, this is okay, and it's like, and then there's two mummies, and I'm just like, oh no, like right, that's right. the that's the thing that like I like about really good boss fights is when you go, oh no, yeah, yeah, it felt like a boss fight, like I, it felt like a, a much more epic fight than just we walk into the room, we kill the thing, we move on. But it does know? show exactly how far we've come that there were two other mummies in that room, and we. Still managed to beat them. It was real close. Barely. Yeah. It was, Barely. It was rough. Still managed. This was another occasion that uh, I was thinking about it when I went through and edited that, that really only the fight against the Graven Guardian in recent memory has the entire party been active in a fight. Oh. Up until that, it's been five, six, seven episodes because the the fight against Sagira's grandmother's head mm. <laughs> kind of took Sagira out of the fight with a whole bunch of the casting where Sagira was just attacking her own party. Uh, yeah. The fight against the Festrogs was in such close quarters that it was difficult mm-hmm. for everyone to actually get into the fight. Sigur and Sudi were completely out of the fight following that against the crypt thing. And then uh, Sudi was back, but Sigur was still completely out of the fight against the ghast. Although I would say that um, Israel was out of this whole fight. Sigur was out of a lot of this fight. Citra ran for a lot of this fight. Well, no, fight. no, that's what I was saying is that yeah. the, the, and the fight against Sigur... Sagira was out of a lot of it, um, and the animal companions had to be out. So it was really the Graven Guardian was the first thing that you guys fought that the entire party was actually involved in again. And then you started this fight, and then Citra got hit with the fear effect and was out of the fight yeah. again. Yeah, um, it's actually been a while since you guys have actually have had the whole party. Yeah, to fight out with something feels that way. Yeah, and, and <laughs> yeah. it's one of those things also that uh, in terms of this fight, it was it was a close thing, but it it could have gone a whole lot worse because a couple of more failed saves. And two or three people are out of the fight running away or are all paralyzed at once. Like, it's definitely like you, that, those are the kinds of effects that like can easily lead to a TPK. Oh, yeah. yeah. But you guys did manage to, uh, and by you guys, I mean Dante the Psychopomp. Did no, that manage guy was, to. Yeah, that guy was MVP for sure. Did manage to defeat Nepta, Kufri, the Sky Pharaoh, the Barefoot Man, the man who's been a, effectively an antagonist for this party for almost the better part of a real world year. Yeah, uh, worth of episode side. recordings. 
true. Despite the fact that we never like met him or knew his name yeah. until like not even ten episodes ago. Like we knew yeah. his name, but we didn't connect him with being the Barefoot Man until. I guess that's also, that's, tr- mm-hmm. that's also true. Yeah. yeah. Sagira made the the assumption pretty early on. Yeah. Um, but I think for the rest of the group, it wasn't until you got down here and then read his grandmother's uh, notes and everything else that you had definitive proof that they were yeah. one and the same person. Yeah, and I think that's the other interesting thing with this, Blake. We've had the introduction of, like, the Barefoot Man and, like, did such a good job of, like, kind of just giving us enough hints and clues. It really felt like a, a it clicks into place kind yeah. of moment whenever yeah. you're like, oh, that's who that is. That's why this makes sense. And so... I really like when it's like that and it's not so like, let me stop and have this monologuing moment where they tell you everything you need to know about the person and it's much more like organic feeling. Yeah. So I, yeah. I appreciated that. I personally just want to know what the heck is going on with my mom's gem. <laughs> uh, yeah. Can we also talk about the mask situation? Oh yeah, that's not. Yeah. Because that, that's... that was like one of those moments where like... <laughs> that was very tense. I, it's, it's really funny because like everything in my like paranoid adventurer body was like, do not put on that mask. Do not do anything yeah. with that mask. And it's like having to do something totally counterintuitive. The, yeah. the default adventurer, that's going to possess you, you know, it worst case scenario. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was really interesting. It's a cool magic item also. I'm going to we'll keep it. Onuris now has the, don't you have like the pharaonic beard and, and a I mean, he's not like, going to, I think I don't have to wear the whole mask. I think I can just wear the headdress. Okay. Cause I, you, I was, you get access to half of the powers yeah. wearing the headdress. So, so I'm not get... going to walk around wearing it in town. Oh, yeah. That'd but it's be like weird. we're going into this tomb and you're like, masks up. Yeah. Citra does not like this mask. It was locked away for a reason. I know, right? Like, it's weird. Like, like, this this mask apparently has really, really beneficial abilities. It yet said, was deemed dangerous enough. Do not be tempted by its power. Yeah, that's the scary we part. We are totally being tempted by its power. Right? This isn't going to give it its, his caw. That's, I think, the whole... Thing. Cock but we don't know. Accused. I mean, we don't know. We're <laughs> gonna we'll lose to have our it slowly. I'm just waiting till we go to like the next. Like we find another piece of this guy's. Uh, I'm just gonna say soul at this point because like we know that the the Kaban yeah, didn't the thrice divided. Yeah, soul. but we know it didn't break evenly. Um, yeah. But it's, it's gonna be really interesting it. when it's suddenly like I'm gonna need on yours to make a will save against possession. <laughs> No, I think we just don't let on yours wear all the pieces. Like everybody takes yeah. one piece, and that way the guy's still divided enough that he can't maybe. If the pull rest of the maybe. pieces are even attached to something like this, I mean, yeah, I'm, true, I'm just but all in here. I, I like the idea that on yours goes all like Gladriel. <laughs> it would be very weird. Not a ruby prince, but a king. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Not a ruby, but dark. Beautiful, terrible as the dawn. <laughs> just be like, I guess we have to kill on Uris. I don't know. That was. <laughs> I was really, I was really worried that that was going to be how that ended. It's like, uh oh. It's like halfway through a monologue, and then uh, on her it just flies by and grabs the mask and flies off. <laughs> I mean, on Uris did train him. Good job, boy. Horus says no. <laughs> You're not going to teach him a fail safe. I cool. still have to give him the command. He doesn't listen to anybody that's true. else. Yeah. There's a. I think there's a trick you can actually teach them that somebody else can command them. That you can designate someone. He doesn't get that many tricks. Yeah, that's fair. Sad. All right. Well, we'll leave that to rest at the moment. I know we we don't know what's going to happen, so so we're going to we're going to move on right now to answer some of our fan emails. So our first one is from Jim. Did he say where he's from? No, it's just just Jim. Jim from Sarasan. (laughs) Question mark. Question Question mark. 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 (laughs) I don't don't know if we want to put him there by himself. Jim is from Jalmeray. 
Jalmeray, nice. I don't even know where that is. Uh, it's, it's off the coast it's an island. of like where the Manaway Star a little bit. Like, oh, okay. Kind of a little All north right. of that. It's Jim, off the coast. you are from Jalmeray? Jalmeray. I, don't Jalmeray. Know I think that's a, I don't know uh, a no, town. No, it's, an, it's like there. a big old island. All right. Find the path hosts. I recently discovered your podcast and the whole actual play genre of podcasts. Yours is the best. Aw, thanks. Oh, thank you. I am still in the early 30s of episodes, but have been listening to three to four per week, so I'm catching up. I mean, you're not going to hear this for a while. (laughs) (laughs) I just traveled to Copenhagen in Denmark and visited the Cisterns. The Cisterns is an old underground water system that has been turned into an art piece. If you ever go to Denmark, I'd love to, you have to see this attraction. It is the closest thing to actual dungeon crawling I have ever experienced. The floor has two to three inches of water, and it is spooky, and he includes a link. Thank you. Nice. It is not something to be missed. I do have a question. What other actual play podcasts do you recommend? I prefer ones based on published modules slash adventure paths as opposed to homebrew ones. Thanks. Keep up the excellent work. Jim from Jalmeray. Hmm. Yeah, I guess we could each shout out to one if we wanted to. I just don't have quick... any that are... All the ones I listen to are homebrew. Yeah. Well, I mean, he says he prefers, but you could still offer a suggestion. Okay. So, <laughs> you want to start us up? Hideous laughter. They do Carrying Crown. Gri- we met Griff and Steve at uh, PaizoCon. They're really cool dudes. We have a, uh, an interview with them available on our YouTube channel. Uh, the sad thing is there's like there's a whole list of them that I could suggest because I, I prolifically listen to other actual plays. Uh, if I was going to name one, uh, we did have the opportunity also while we we're up in Seattle to meet with uh, Will or Woe. They're not doing published, so it, it is Pathfinder. It is uh, the Pathfinder playtest rules, although I don't know if they've switched over to the second edition rules by this point. Other than that, the easy answer is also, but it probably something that he's already listened to, would be the Glass Cannon, um, as they're doing Giant Slayer and like every other adventure. I was going to say, and they also do Starfinder <laughs> if you're curious. Yeah, Starfinder's Dead Sons. Yeah, so the official actual play podcast for the Paizo. I will let Jordan say my absolute favorite hands-down one. Um, (laughs) The only one I actually subscribe to a Patreon for. But I also really like Bombarded. That is a cool... Bombarded is fun. They're a cool group of people. They all play uh, multi-class bards. It's 5e. Uh, and they go to like music school, but every episode they write a real song, and the song can do stuff. And they're they're part of a band called Lindsby, Lindby, I think. Um, so it's cool because you get to hear them actually as a band write a song and then play the song to do a thing like a real bard would do. So it's kind of cool. Uh, they're also based out of the yeah. DFW area. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we we need to meet up with them. We at some do. Point they're cool because uh, it'd be fun. Uh, so I'll go for the one that I've listened to the most episodes for that uh, Jess's favorite one is called Not Another D&D Podcast. There's so um, good. So it is, uh, it's hosted by a bunch of people you'll, you'll know from College Humor, and they basically are doing a 5e homebrew, but the thing I really like about their podcast, they do a really good job of group storytelling, like, so mm-hmm. I think that's really fun. They started, mm-hmm. I think, maybe like a week or two before we did, yeah. So, yeah, yeah I've, I've listened to a lot of their stuff, and I like that, so not another D&D podcast. Or any of the other hideous laughter, et cetera, et cetera. I was going to say, and we've, we've, we've skipped like another 30 or 40 oh, really yeah, good ones that yeah. are out there. So, uh, I guess two things that I'll throw out. Be sure it's not podcast, but you can actually check out Paizo's official Twitch stream for the Oblivion Oath, which is oh, yeah. uh, Jason oh, Bowman's yeah. playthrough using the second edition rules. Oh. 
Geek that has too. Jason Bullman is also going to be teaming up with Geek and Sundry to do an eight-episode miniseries called uh, Knights of Everflame. Mm-hmm. Although I think that's also another. It's not Twitch. I think it's uh, YouTube. Or... And that's the one. No, where, I is think he it doing is Crypt of the Everflame, but in second edition. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I don't. Because that seems like it would be Crypt well, of the Everflame. Everflame. Yeah. yeah, although they he already did went through the entirety of the Crypt of the Everflame with the glass cannon. Yeah, I know. So maybe I don't it's know like the same. I like in the same world kind of situation. Yeah. Other than that, there's a. Uh, I mostly see them on Twitter, but what do you do? Oh yeah. Which uh, covers all of the the various actual plays and compiles them together on the list and everything. So if, if you go to uh, their Twitter page, there I think it's the the pinned tweet at the top of his page has a PDF link to every actual play out there <laughs> that's doing anything remotely Pathfinder related. Yeah. So it is a comprehensive list, and uh, he is he's doing yeoman's work. Yes. Everybody's staring at me now, and I unfortunately don't listen to any. No, that's that's why I kept talking because I was trying to cover <laughs> the fact that Rachel wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> uh, yeah, unfortunately, I. You listen to one. I listen to ours sometimes. Yeah, so there you go. But, you can recommend um, us again. Recommend us. <laughs> <laughs> I I've heard of the these bag. people called Find the Path. Yeah. 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 They have an actual play of Mummy's Mask. <laughs> I, I'm more great. into audiobooks, not podcasts. So I'm the same way. I can recommend you some books if you'd like. But the, uh, uh, the Pathfinder Tells line is mostly available on Audible if you want to have audiobook versions of Pathfinder stories. Uh, sure, I was going to go with I'm listening to Six of Crows by Lee Bardugo, but okay. On <laughs> uh, completely un podcast or Pathfinder related. I yeah. mean, it's about a heist okay, and there's a honest. group and they're all different classes of types of people. You got yeah. the roguey one and the fighter one and the gunslinger. Like, it's good. Yeah. It's awesome. the, uh, just amazing. The Liar series is uh, is one of the more recent ones available for the Pathfinder Tales and it's actually yeah. really good. So. There you go, Jim. Go ahead and move on to our second email. This is uh, Ben from the Shadow Marches in Eberron. Ah, uh, yes. We've oh. heard from Ben We've heard before. from Ben. Okay. All so, right. Hello again, guys. You guys have been on fire lately. Yeah. I wanted to say that first of all. This book has been crazy fun, and I'm impressed you're still alive and in possession of 87.5% <laughs> of your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so are we. Uh, we're, 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 we're doing all right. Uh, Keep being awesome. Uh, although, a- actually, I will point out that on her, it also only has one functioning eye. So oh, yeah. Oh, if you're bringing the animal companions, the numbers get wonky. Yeah. All right. Continuing on. Keep being awesome. Okay. All right. Uh, it's actually the first actual played podcast I listen to on Tuesday mornings, and Aww. you know your time slots competition. That's right. true. Oh, In thank your- you. <laughs> In your most recent after party, 61 through 63, you bemoaned the lack of APs that go all the way up to level 20. Mm-hmm. Any interest in running or playing one of my two favorite Paizo Adventure paths, Age of Worms or Savage Tide? Ooh. Nutty fun, as this book has been, is it in contention for your favorite play experience in Pathfinder? What are each of your favorite adventures? Still okay. appreciating the show. Regards, Ben. There's two questions. So, uh, uh, yeah. There are actually kind of three. There's uh, any interest in running or playing... Age of Worms or Savage Tide? I think so, Glass Cannon's doing Savage Tide, right? No, they're doing Silent Tide, which Silent is Silent Tide, which yeah. is the very first society module that was ever produced. Yeah, okay. Uh, okay, which, by the sense. way, if you're interested, it's available on our YouTube channel. The audio quality is not great. I was just saying, I was like, we played. That. It was the first thing that I did for society modules because I was doing them in order. So it's uh, oh. zero one. Yeah. Remember <laughs> the Temple of the Dog and all oh, that yeah. good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, the okay. Pyramid of the Dog. Ah, oh, Bryn. Yeah, Bryn. Bryn so yeah, the 
The two adventures that he mentions are two of the three original Dungeon Magazine adventure paths. Uh, it was the Shackled City, Age of Worms, and then Savage Tide. Mm -hmm. uh, we also played through some of Age, Age of Worms. Worms yeah. uh, I would always be interested in doing those, uh, just, particularly Age of Worms was was great. So, so little time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, it, it gets a little, as much time as uh, as we already put into doing Mummy's Mask and doing the editing and everything else, updating a three point, I'm pretty sure it's 3.5 by Age of Worms. It wasn't 3.0 adventure to the Pathfinder first edition <laughs> rule set would be more time consuming and kind of cut back away from what I would have for editing. So uh, interest, yes. yes. Ability, mm, not so much. Yeah, probably yeah. not. Yeah. Um, okay. It also gets into kind of weird area where it's it's Paizo publishing, but it's Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, I think yeah. technically so. that might be Hasbro dicey. now yeah. would own it. Yeah. All right, so his second question is, um, as fun as this book has been, is it in contention for your favorite play experience in Pathfinder? How about everyone just go around and say uh, what your single favorite Pathfinder Adventure Path book is? Uh, I'll start. I have to pick a book? A single Ooh, book. I will start. I think it's funny that you think I know the title uh, of these books. Well, I'm, I'm just going to say what number, but I'm trying yeah. to think. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with uh, book two of Rise of the Rune Lords. I've mentioned this a couple times before, but the Skinsaw Murders is hands down my favorite adventure that I've ever run. Which, as a fun side note, the writer for book two of Rise of the Rune Lords, also the writer of book three of Mummy's Mask, which you were going into. Oh. So Richard Pete is a uh, phenomenal writer. Okay. Okay. So that's going to be my my hands down pick for my favorite. What if my favorite book isn't part of my favorite adventure path? That's fine. It's, I mean, that's you your, can favorite, say your book. favorite one if you want. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm, I'm still thinking. Yeah. Whatever but you I, want. Sure. The Werewolf Book of Carrion Crown. Which one is that? Four. Book three. 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 Yeah. Uh, what was that it? was good. Broken was Moon good. or Broken something. Moon. I think so. I really enjoyed that one because there was like all the like intrigue and then there was yeah. they added a lot of stuff with the werewolf tribes backgrounds and stuff that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. And it made me really nostalgic for werewolf the apocalypse from White Wolf. Yeah. And then there was some really good combat and stuff in there, too. So that's probably my favorite book. But my favorite adventure path is still Rise of the Rune Lords. That's fair. Mm. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, I think it's the second book of. Carrying Crown, uh, is it Seven Days to the Grave? No, you're talking about Curse of the Crimson. Or Curse Crown. of the Crimson. That's the West Schneider yeah. book. You just stole that out of my head. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, but uh, yeah, so the se second book of Curse Fine. of the Crimson Throne is uh, is so good. Like, yeah. good. just the the role play, and it also does like there's a you have that timetable thing that, that that we have a lot of times, but it utterly and completely makes sense that you're on like a, a complete and total deadline so like you might say seven days till the grave yeah but <laughs> but uh without without spoiling anything it also had some really good plot twists yeah. and definitely kept us guessing the whole time so i i really enjoyed that book also really liked uh i really liked skin saw murders too but that one was taken so. that's true dang it okay uh, yeah and uh broken moon was a tim hitchcock uh adventure just mm -hmm. a shout out to the writer nice. also phenomenal writer you know what? Book one of Strange Aeons was pretty freaking good. Oh, that it, was a yeah. good book. I'll also shout out. Also, Wes Schneider. Apparently, I, I just love say, that guy. I was going to say one. Another shout out for Wes Schneider. Also, book uh, three. Strange Aeons is solid. Strange Aeons. Yeah, Strange is, Aeons. Strange Aeons is solid. Is maybe the weirdest book we've ever done, but also was an absolute blast. Now, really if we're just looking at absolute favorite parts of anything and not an entire book, one of the parts of book three of Strange Aeons is hands down my favorite uh, thing we've ever done. But it's so spoilery to even can't discuss. say it, but it's, yeah. It is Cannot say it. Okay, Rachel. Um, I'm going to give another shout out to Skinsaw just because I was playing an investigator in that, so it just kind of fit perfectly. But 
I'm gonna go back to our very first adventure path. Mm. I freaking loved two books out of Legacy. That I liked um, Kakashan, and I liked book, um, book four. Book four. The end of eternity was book four. And I liked uh, where we had to take over the city. I think it was in book one. Oh two. yeah, that's book. No, that's book one. That's book one. Okay, very book one, book one where, where we're we like Kelmarine. taking back Kalimarin yeah. and everything. Because I will just never forget Jessica. Let's jump on it. Oh, Legacy was great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 the fun of half the fun of Legacy was like our first adventure path and not really knowing what was a good or what was a bad idea. Oh so, no! So okay, many, like, so many bad ideas. Stuff. The asterisk is it's it's Rachel, Jordan, and and my. Yes, oh, yeah, Heather yeah. was already <laughs> playing way before this. Yeah, so uh, Jason, I've never actually played Legacy of Fire. Yeah, it is good. It is good. Uh, Jason Nelson wrote book four of that, which is uh, the end of eternity, mm-hmm. uh, and he's a phenomenal writer. And of course. Uh, Everyone's favorite over-the-top Paizo personality, uh, Eric Mona, wrote book one <laughs> of uh, Legacy of Fire. Who wrote book yeah. three of Strange Aeons, since we talked uh, about that, Mike too. Shell, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Who, by the way, also wrote, not to go looking into that or anything, uh, wrote book six of uh, Mummy's Mask. Oh, okay, cool. Huh. So, um, book two of Carrying Crown was amazing because it was like Ace Attorney meets Pathfinder. Oh, yeah, but I don't know yeah, how much of was... that was our friend Ross really embellishing so, that, too. Yeah. So I don't know how that trial is actually it. written. Also, oh. as a fun side note, Richard Pete also wrote book two of that, <laughs> who we are going into his adventure subsequent. So Richard Pete, yeah, he's... Okay, So that kind of, we kind of answered his third question in that where we said which are each of our favorite adventures yeah. so yeah. Like, okay. goes with that. Uh, so yeah. it ties um, it together r- real quick though because I'm actually really curious about it because Rick and I have both GM'd adventure paths uh, I've done two now you've done I a, mean, million. a million a million <laughs> what I, I think I, I think I counted it, it between all of the groups that I've run things for at 11 so what is your favorite adventure path or adventure path book that you've GM'd? Like, what did you think was the most fun to GM? Uh, I mean, I still have to probably, for GMing, I'd have to give it to either, I already shouted out Skin Soul Murders, which uh, is just such an amazing book to, uh, to GM. But honestly, running, I might have to give it to In Search of Sanity, uh, which is book one, one of Strange Aeons. Just because, I mean, it's such, it's such a, good book it's such an interesting experience i mean that notwithstanding like i've i've actually really enjoyed book two of mummy's mask so far yes because you've yeah. almost killed us at every time uh-huh. well, <laughs> it's not a contest because i would win that's yeah, true <laughs> yeah. true true all right thank you ben we love hearing from you. Write again if you'd like. I also love hearing from anyone who's a, a fan of the old Dungeon magazines. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And have fun at Eberron with your yeah. machines. And yeah, such. you and your Warf. Actually, you uh, and your Warforged. Richard, Richard Pete, as a side note, wrote uh, an Eberron adventure as well. Um, go. So go out and seek it out. Uh, God, I think it's like The Voyage of the Golden Dawn or something. I can't remember the exact name of it, but right. it's good. Our third email we've got. Okay. Email number three is from uh, Graf and the Boys from the Mana Wastes. Ah, oh, yes. Hey, cool. nice. My favorite. Uh, place in Galarian. It is one of my favorite places. I appreciate you reading our last email, though I note Sudi does not have a throat wound that requires Jordan to whisper. Rick is slacking off a bit. <laughs> in honor of the crazy teleport hijinks, what was the craziest, most creative magical effect you've experienced in a game? <laughs> oh, Shoot, that one's okay. up there. Yeah. Speaking of mana waste. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that'd be another one we did without Heather. It's true. Once uh, my horse got inverted colors <laughs> yeah. and I was... Uh, during a magic storm, a primal magic storm or whatever. Yep, that's what it was. Uh, uh, <laughs> my character, my gunslinger, was tossed directly down into a flooded chamber and almost drowned. Yeah. 
And it was really random uh, and neat. Yeah. I lived, so it worked out okay. That was actually me running an adaptation of, uh, God, what is what was the name of that adventure? Something about, like, the Fiend's Cloak. Um, it was a dungeon magazine adventure. Is that, that the was one tied, with Grozit? Yeah, tied around Grozit and Igwilv. And, uh, that's, see, that's this, one of my favorite. Like, Cloak old, of the Fiend or something. I, I ran a version of that in the Mana Waste. It's just kind of a, a filler game. It wasn't published material. Well, I mean, that was published. And I actually used the, uh, the Forgotten Realms Wild Magic Rules. <laughs> Because nice. there are not published, uh, or at the time there were not published wild magic rules pertaining towards the uh, the mana wastes. Cool. Although now with uh, Wardens of the Reborn Forge, they there are some. Yeah, they do yeah. have them now. Neat. Anyway, that's that's the adventure my favorite piece of Wayne Riddle's art comes from. Yeah. That I bought at PaizoCon. Uh, let's see, another another story as far as like weirdest magical effects that have ever happened. One, getting teleported out of a fight. That uh, was weird. I really think really weird. This, that teleport thing is probably one of the weirdest things that's ever happened yeah. to me. Yeah. That was insane. Uh, that's probably the maybe the like that may have taken the cake for like the weirdest time because I've never seen oh. a usually beneficial effect be weaponized. So that was kind of different. That mirror thing. You remember the mirror? It was like we were in the shadow realm or something. It was, and there was like a thing with mirrors. Yeah. What was that? That we was weird. We had to weird. go into uh, the mirror. Midnight mirror. Yeah, yeah. I just yeah. running because I was the, the rogue and I ran all the time. Yeah. That was a good one. There were like some weird mirror things in that. Yeah. By the way, that's a really good module. Um, <laughs> there was that box in that one adventure path. I can't even remember what one. Some weird Ling box magic thing. I mean, you, you just said the thing that makes it weird, Ling. Well, like, everything's weird when Ling's involved. I mean, there's weird magic everywhere, man. Strange Aeons is full Yeah, of I was gonna say Strange Aeons, <laughs> the whole dream Pretty stuff much just Strange general. Aeons. Yeah, I guess. Heather's going with the teleport. Yeah. I don't really have one to specifically shout out to, other than, uh, I, you know, I always enjoy monsters that have these weird, cool abilities, and so I'll shout out to my favorite, uh, Weird monster with cool weird abilities, which would be the uh, the Hounds of Tindalos. Oh yeah, yeah. those guys are weird. Uh, yeah. The, yeah. the dimensional teleportation between angles and their like shredding gaze attack oh. is just amazing. Yeah. Uh, so oh, if yeah. you're yeah, those are those are one of the ones that like every time we see them, I don't know what ch- I, I don't care what challenge rating I'm at. I'm scared. <laughs> like, yeah. I could literally be like 10, ch- 10 CR above it. I'd still be like, oh, I'm scared. Now. Well, yeah. guys, I've been injured in my life. <laughs> <laughs> they're just they're just a really like the thing about them is they're so unique. I think yeah. that's what yeah. makes them so attractive is like there's nothing else that is that has that ability set. Yeah. And, and despite being considered part of the Lovecraft mythos, uh, Lovecraft did not actually create them. So, just kind of a fun time. Fun facts. All right, to finish up the, that email, it also says, I'm also curious about whether any members of the crew have run any non-published material, either in your own worlds or Galarian. Yep. Did yep. Jordan mention running or wanting to run something in the Mana Wastes, or am I misremembering? We love the Mana Wastes, man. Uh, we did uh, the, well, Rick ran it, uh, yeah. the module in he the Mana Wastes. Yeah, I ran like I think three old dungeon magazine adventures, yeah. uh, and I picked up Wardens of the Reborn Forge with just time. <laughs> I I ran a Groundhog themed like Groundhog Day, but I thought magic. you were gonna say actual Groundhogs. Thing. Just yeah, it was it was I, you I did play Bill Murray. Um, no, <laughs> I wrote a five E adventure that I had my that I GM'd for my friends. That was all built around, like, they relived the same day over and over again until they could solve the thing. There's a Buffy episode based on that. Mm-hmm. There's a, uh... They had magic algae that allowed them to remember. It was very druid-themed, because they're Actually, awesome. Because you wrote it. Two Buffy episodes based on sure. that premise. There's a Tom Cruise movie based on that, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the idea is pretty... I just thought it would be interesting to, like, 
playing an adventure where you woke up the same if you didn't solve it the first day you would go to sleep and you would wake up with none of the stuff you'd had before to start over but nobody else remembered except you it's very Majora's Mask it was kind of cool they did pretty well. Yeah. Um, let's see. So I've I've homebrewed an adventure path for Pathfinder that was based on Council of Thieves. Like the the kind of the, the start of Council of Thieves was kind of I diverged from it and oh, kind of did my own thing. We had a friend um, that was a bearded devil. That was great. Uh, yeah. We, we let's just say it got weird. So yeah. I, I don't DM, but we played a ton of original stuff for White Wolf. Rick and I have because. Mm. They have a few published adventures, but most of that's here. The, here's the setting. Have fun. Yeah. So it really relies on the players and the uh, game masters to come up with their own plots and intrigue and things like that. No, I, I tried DMing, not even D&D. I tried running a White Wolf game in high school, and it did not go over well, and I've never looked back. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I don't do that. Heather, the forever player. Yep. Yeah, I'm in that same boat. Don't worry. I'm also a forever player, but I enjoy playing, so it's fine. All right, Graf, uh, say hello to the boys for us, and uh, we hope to hear from you again. Good luck with those wild magic storms. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, have fun with that. All right, we have one last email. Oh, my. Peace, friends. Peace. Peace. (laughs) (laughs) Peace, friends. Peace, friends. You know what? I love a Nethis guy, for real. <laughs> this guy's from Sothis. I don't know who this person is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fun thing about Peace. that is that's such a, like, it's like the character's catchphrase now. All right. <laughs> Which I think is funny. I found your podcast from another player in Mike, who lives in Gallaspire, Tyrant's oh. Grass. Oh, oh, Mike. Okay. Hey, Mike? Sorry, yeah. Mike. <laughs> we started using your medkit. I guess he also game. lives in Ga- Gallaspire <laughs> if he's they gaming with Mike. <laughs> he whispers to him. <laughs> <laughs> We've started using your med kit for the game. Nice. I'm also playing a cat folk, so thank you, Jordan, hey, for some yeah. ideas to steal slash borrow. Major kudos to being the most rules-accurate pod. Yes, Yay. we are rules. We try. Uh, I love seeing some of the less-used rules and always smile when I know the correct answer to something you explain. Learning that lesser restoration also cures fatigue really helped last session. Mm. Question. Yeah. With this recent episode, you pause to level up. Can you go through that process? It seems to happen instantaneously, like in a video game, and I have seen different ways of players discovering their new powers. From a mechanics perspective, what changes, abilities, increases are available right away versus after a period of time, such as after resting? I can shoot through that pretty quick. I don't believe in in holding back the players from any of their abilities. Uh, and so it's that kind of... Uh, there was a, a thing in the 3.5 book where they talked about multiclassing, where they said that if... Uh, if you decided you're playing a bard and then suddenly you want to take a level of wizard, then you don't have to justify that. You can then retroactively say that you'd been studying wizardry magic the whole time. And then when you level up, you suddenly have wizard powers. Yep. And I've kind of always held to that because I know some groups believe in if you level up, you don't gain any of your new spells until you reprepare spells or pray again or something like that. And it just... It gives the fighter and the martial classes all of their abilities at once, and then it penalizes the spellcasters. Uh, and so when Onurus leveled up and then suddenly went, hey, I have fourth level spells, Onurus in the canon of the world woke up that morning and prepared a fourth level spell, but had been holding in a reserve the whole time. He forgot he had I it. Kind of, like, I kind of think of it as Horace goes, oh, you're in trouble. Have some extra yeah, mojo. Yeah. That's how I <laughs> you know, feel. I, like you're, you're getting that slightly <laughs> divine intervention. I like to think that you just forgot you could do it until that moment. And then you're like, oh, right. I can. Uh, sorry, guys. I can definitely do this. Because, yeah. you know, that happens in real life where you're like, oh, I did know that thing. Are you <laughs> a witch or, or aren't you? Or on your <laughs> potentially prayed for the spell 
but didn't know whether or not Horus was going to grant it until later. Okay. Like, yeah, that morning, he's like, true. I could really use a Holy Smite. I know you don't usually give those to me, but... Hey, buddy. Please, hey, buddy. Um, although I do remember having a player before that who played a sorcerer that was surprised every time he cast a spell he didn't have before. Yeah. Because oh, he'd yeah. just be like, oh, I went to cast the magic missile and suddenly I hit it with a fireball. Oh, crap, I can do fireball. Uh, it was kind of an interesting concept to yeah. uh, to play a character off that way. My sorceress, she'll be like, so I've been practicing, guys. Let's see if this works. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. I think when I played my uh, my alchemist when, I, when uh, we went through uh, Serpent Skull, that I like to reference every once in a while when we level up. It's like, oh, look, my bombs are doing more damage. It's like, oh, well, I, I added more sulfur to my, my mixture while I'm making my bombs or coming up with justification for why. Yeah. It can be fun to do that, but yes, uh, as far as the mechanics behind the scenes are concerned, I just tell everyone to instantaneously gain all of their powers because I'm not interested in keeping their abilities from them until they yeah. you know, rest or we something got, like we that. We got living to do. Yeah. There, there's also uh, in Pathfinder Unchained, there's an alternate rule set where you, like, you kind of get some of your abilities throughout your level. So yeah, like, that would be so a, hard to bookkeep. Uh, yeah, oh I, I, we've never done it before, but I remember looking at the rule and being like, I can understand why they have that rule set as an optional rule it's set because it kind of makes sense. It but can it be really weird. appealing to a group that doesn't get together a lot because it yeah. effectively it would mean almost at the end of each one of their sessions they would get a new power up. So of you some know, type, yeah, you get something. If you only got together once a month or something, it would be a little bit more beneficial that way. Mm, true. Yeah. All right. Next, he has a request. Okay. Can you include your CRXP info after the credits roll? I agree it does break up the flow, but it is still a fun thing to hear. So maybe take the audio cuts and move them to the end. I'm not familiar with editing, so this might be a bigger task, or bigger ask than I thought. So the short version is after the episodes would be a little bit cumbersome. Uh, I'd actually considered discussing the challenge rating comparison to all of you a little bit more during the after party because that's that's kind of a mechanics of the creatures that we don't usually get into. Neat. Hey. All right. So to wrap up his email, he says. Uh, my vote is for Iron Fang Invasion when you're considering another AP down the line. You all shine with RP moments and Rick breathes extra life into the NPCs you encounter. I think it's a good fit because like with Mummy's Mask, it does allow you to build ties with people and the town around you instead of just sending you off into the mountains. Hmm. All the best from Columbus, Ohio, which I think you named, but I can't remember what it was. Eric, Twitter handle 10 Lawn Gnomes. <laughs> Uh, friend of the Hideous Laughter Pod, Zone of Truth 5. Hey. Okay, so if you're from, where's he from? Columbus, Columbus Ohio. Ohio. But he plays with somebody who lives in Gallowspire. So he's in Gallowspire. I think he should also be in Gallowspire. I'd be in Gallowspire so with Or maybe friend. he's in Vigil. So Columbus, Ohio is Gallowspire. <laughs> <Could be> Vigil. <laughs> maybe, really yeah, funny maybe he just Skypes me. in from uh, Ren Church. <laughs> It's not whispers a pleasant place. in from Winchester. <laughs> yes, they do all of their they do all of their uh, their D and whispering wind. Uh, do they do it with mumble? Maybe. Oh. Uh, hey. uh, Shout out to mumble. That was also. bad, and you He's should feel. Very proud of that. Proud what? Of That's that. a real thing. Iron Fang Invasion. I have heard is a great adventure path, though. One day. We'll yes. get to all of them one day. Yes. Yeah, so give us like another know. thirty years, and maybe we'll have caught up to all the first edition. <laughs> <laughs> we got some ideas. All right. Well, that is it for our fan emails this week. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And uh, casting we of a deity. Yes. yes. Oh, right. Who we got left? Yeah. Who do we have? Who uh, so go ahead and bounce me a D10. Iamaday. Ten. <laughs> Ten. All right. So for today, we're going to be casting. This is going to be a difficult one. Uh, oh. And once again. 
capitalizing on voice work. Oh, okay. Rovagug the Rough Beast. Oh, oh God. Oh, this is easy. The God of Destruction, Disaster, and Wrath. This is so easy. Spawned to destroy worlds, Rovagug tore into existence while the cosmos was still young, devouring and destroying everything he touched and laying waste to careful creation of the gods. Trapped by a union of desperate deities, Rovagug shudders in anguish and impotent rage, causing the earth to shake and mountains to crumble. He bellows and clouds of toxic gas billow from the rents of the ground. He burrs monstrosities that clamor from the rotted depths of the world to ravage and destroy in their creator's place. Rovagug does not dream of glory or wonders, he dreams of the end of existence, shoveling all that lives into his devouring maw and crushing all that does not beneath his terrifying form. His ruin is not slow entropy, but rather destructive fire. All rational beings, divine and mortal, hate and fear him, for he is the hastener of the end, the unmaker, the enemy of gods and life itself. I already also know. Yes. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm like, I've been thinking um, about this one. I hope Rachel doesn't say the same thing, I think. I have four so far. Girl, one. I know. I'm going to narrow it. I also know who I'm going with. Mm -hmm. I'm curious if it's going to be the same as Jessica, too. God, I hope it's not. Maybe it is. I mean, if that makes it easier. I mean, we're allowed to pick the same one. We're allowed to pick the same. True. True. See, my promise is that my favorite one is dead. Well, (laughs) they don't have to be alive. Bruce Lee wasn't alive. I know. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Oh, Bruce Lee. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's not it. All right. Who's going first? Not I mean, me, because I got nothing. I mean, traditionally, you it's have the choice. choice to go first. Or last. Okay, I can't remember if we've actually picked him for one before. But once I saw it, my first choice was Tim Curry. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it weird that I was actually thinking about Burn that, too? Golly, baby. Yes, because like, the moment I was like, oh, deep, I was like, voices? Ah. Tim Curry! Texas, man. It just had to be, because I was leaning toward Vincent Price. Nah. And then I was like, but it's not quite right, because Vincent Price is almost kind of Refined. like bemused. You know, he's kind of funny. Tim Curry, Ferngully. Tim Curry. I, that is, I love Tim Curry. I okay, knew you were going to say the same as me. <laughs> he crossed my mind, too. So now we got three for Tim Curry. Let's yeah, just go with three. Like, Heather's on board with us. Yeah, because I was thinking about it, and I was like, because my mind went to legend. Not, yes! Yeah, you okay. know, yes. and I was like. he plays Darkness. And I, I was I was thinking about it, and I was like, well, maybe maybe he's too British for Robocock. No, <laughs> no. no, he's been no. when he played that oozy, gross pollution in Fern Gully. Yeah, okay, that guy. Because oh, he's act, like I said, he popped into my head first, and I was like, <laughs> I don't know, sings. but no, we're on board with this. Tim Curry. Tim Curry. Sings. Yeah, exactly. So Tim Curry was way up there on my list, <laughs> <laughs> but I will offer an alternative. Hey, Hold Jordan, on, you got anything? Uh, okay, so... I have four if you need them. Please, please, please. Tim Curry. Um, Okay, so here's my challenge is I've done something that we haven't usually done is I'm going to go with somebody most people probably don't know about, Troy Baker. Oh, Oh, I know Troy Baker. Okay. Candyman? So for the... No, that's Tony no, no, no. Todd. He was one of my list, too. There, there are two <laughs> voice actors in the entirety of video gaming, and Troy yes. Baker is half uh, of them. It, it, okay, so if, if you look at every major video game, you will either find Nolan North or Troy Baker. Well, who's yes. Troy Baker? Somewhere. Yeah, who's He's Troy the voice Baker? of Joel in The Last of Us. He yeah, was okay. the voice of Nate. Uh, he was Nate. in Darksiders. He was um, Nate's brother, Sam, in uh, Uncharted 4, so you had yeah. both Troy Baker and <laughs> Nolan North. North. Yeah, uh, but let me tell you, he's so ta- him and Nolan North are so talented, yes. yeah. I can literally give him and say, I need you to just make a sound that sounds like, 
you know, you are like madness incarnate, and he would but, just be like, sure, let me try something. But that is Tim Curry already. I'm not, <laughs> he doesn't have to try. I'm not saying Tim Curry's a bad pick, because I also now was I like, yes, watch, yes. Now I want to watch the Clue movie. I just want to go watch Fern Gully. Fern Gully. Goodness. But I had to be different, so I was like, you know what, I'm going to go with, a vo- with an actual video game voice yeah, actor, because okay. I just thought that'd be so different. To See, that's where my brain went actors. first was video game voice actors. If yeah, Curry but I specifically, I literally Googled Darksiders. It was but, like, all right, th- that had a lot of gravelly voice people in it. Yeah, because come on, Tim Curry was like the what the Russian general guy that I don't even know what video game it was, and he like had to like not sound ridiculous, and he was just like space, space. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go to the one place that capitalism hasn't corrupted, space. <laughs> Anyway, if you have not choice. seen the Tim Curry uh, Command and Conquer, I'm pretty sure it's Command and Conquer video about uh, space. Just put that, in Tim Curry okay. space. Yeah, I, was gonna, I don't amazing. even remember which game it is. Uh, like Red Alert or something? Yeah. I don't know, but yeah. And again, it's hard not to just give it to Tim Curry. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, it's hard. But I'm going to offer an alternative that would play very, very differently, but I think would be a lot of fun. Although I think we've also suggested him for another role in this, but hey, why not give him a, give him a second chance? We, we cast Mads Michelson for like five different no. things. No. Dave Bautista. Uh, I just he, love him too much. He, well, I love him I, so much, but it's also that idea. Like, imagine giant worm burst, burst from free from the earth, and then it's just kind of like that Drax. Like, you can't see me. I'm standing so still <laughs> that I've become invisible. See, I still think Tim Curry. Yeah, Tim, that too. Yeah. So Tim Curry wins for us. I honestly, I'll give it over like, to Tim Curry yeah. also, but I like. Yeah, I, I, I don't so this. So I guess there's no vote for Reddit this time, well, guys. Well, no, they, they can still won. vote for the Reddit selection of it, but I think Tim Curry is Tim, kind of like our default here. But Tim go ahead Curry and vote. wins, guys. And because yeah. uh, my well, and you know what, give some love to Dave Bautista because Tim Curry wins. Amazing. Yeah, we're gonna do a 50-50 vote here. I think we know which one's gonna win. Yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> All right. See you later, Pathfolk. <laughs> thanks for tuning in. Yeah, thanks for listening, Pathfinders. Uh, I hope that you've enjoyed this. Fern and uh, What? Fern Gully. Join us here again. Fern Gully and Clue and that. Legend. Legend and the two episodes of Criminal Minds he was that on. They were so good. Oh, they were good. <laughs> and the one episode of Psych. Yeah, the one, yeah. The it's psych so of- funny because in the Criminal Minds one, you can tell he's really trying not to be British. <laughs> it just does <laughs> not work. <laughs> Really good episodes. Really good. Huh? Anywho, so go watch something with Tim Curry in it. Yes, it'll yes. make you feel better. <laughs> yeah. Bye, Pathfolk. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, Pathfolk. You always have to get the last word in. <laughs> he does. Love you, Tim Curry.